Well, we're going to be continuing our study uh, out of the Old Testament, uh, the Ten Commandments. We're going to be, so we're going to be in the book of Exodus, chapter 20. We've covered the first two commandments. And the first commandment has to do with worshiping the right God. We must reject every false god in order to worship the one true God who alone is our Savior. And the second commandment has to do with worshiping the right God in the right way. And, you know, the first commandment forbids us to worship false gods. The second commandment forbids us worshiping the true God in false ways. Now we come to the third commandment. The third commandment has to do with worshiping the right God using his name rightly. What's, what's in a name? Why is that so important? Uh, I think of, easy to take, take uh, Henry, for example. You know, it holds significance, not just because it's my son's name, but it, it does have kind of a special meaning for the Banner family. And that's because Henry Banner was the name of the first banner to come to America back in 1740. They so, hung you, pardon? They hung you. They, they, no, they didn't hang. <laughs> uh, but you know, so so names so names matter. What we name our children matters. What we're called matters. And it turns out that names also matter to God. And and as we look at the at the uh, third commandment compared to the other two it's really compared to the rest of them it's considerably short just just one verse do not misuse the name of the lord your god because the lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name you know some translations would say do not take the lord's name in vain but i kind of like i think we've got a better understanding what says do not misuse the name of the lord but you know, as I was growing up, I thought that this just meant there were a list of words that you didn't say. And my mom and dad controlled that list of words. And sometimes it, 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 yeah, it grew, and maybe as I grew older it might have collapsed just a little bit. But the, here, there's a set list of words, and that's what that means to not take uh, the Lord's name in vain. Watch out what you're saying. Let's not swear and then I got to thinking, you know, of the Texas and the flood, and I was just wondering, you know, how many people down in Texas have been probably cursing, cursing God this week, taking the Lord's name in vain, as opposed to praising his name for simply being alive. But I think that's really only a surface understanding. I mean, when, when we introduce ourselves to someone and we tell that person our name it's because we want to have a relationship with them I mean you see people every day that you just pass by and you probably never even speak or you see people and you greet them politely hi but you don't give them your name and they don't give you theirs but when someone stops us introduces themselves to us and tells us their name we know that they want to have 
a closer relationship with us than they had before. And this is what God has done. God's done something wonderful. He has told us his name. We could never have known much about God at all, and we would not have known his name if he had not told us. But God has spoken his name to us in his word. He's told us his name because he wants us to know him. He wants to have a relationship with us. And you know, God is so great that not, not just one name could begin to tell all about him. So he uses many names, each one of them showing us a little something about how wonderful he is. Think about when God called Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery. You know, Moses worried about uh, the people and, and, and what they were going to think of Moses. And he says, well, who am I going to tell them that your name is? What is your name? And, and listen to this. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And God also said this. He said, say to the Israelites. Say to the Israelites, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. Emphasis on the name. And so as Moses obeyed uh, and served the Lord by leading his people, he grew to know God better and better. Then, then Moses, uh, the more Moses knew about God, the more he wanted to know God. And so, remember the story, Moses asked God one day, let me see your glory. And God replied, no man can see it and live. But God told Moses he would put him in a crevice and where he would be protected. And there, God would cause his glory to pass by Moses. And at the same time, God said, I will proclaim or tell you my name. So God placed Moses in the crevice in the rock and he passed by him as he said he would. And then it says the Lord came down in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed his name Yahweh. Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed Yahweh, who is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in faithful love and truth, maintaining a faithful love to a thousand generations forgiving wrongdoing, rebellion, and sin. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's wrongdoing on the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Now I find this interesting because God had said he was going to proclaim his name to Moses, but instead he told him all of these things of what he's like. You see, God's name stands for who he is. God had told Moses that he's compassionate and he's gracious, that he's patient, forgiving, loving, and faithful. And all these things are summed up in God's name. You see, to say the Lord or Yahweh is so much more than a name. It's God's identity. And this, this, this is the Hebrew understanding of names. For us, in our Western thinking, a name is just a label. I mean, we print our name on a little sticky piece of paper and put it right here. 
That's my name. That's who I am. And that's all that we think about it. When we're done meeting and greeting people, we rip the name off, toss it in the trash can. That's not the Hebrew understanding of a name. For the Hebrews, the name was inseparable from the person. It expressed a person's inward identity. And so when we use the name of God, we are referring to the essence of his divine being. You know, his supreme name was simply Yahweh, the Lord God. But this name is so much more than just a convenient way to address God. It, it represents God's entire reputation. God's name represents his whole identity. This is why we must speak and treat God's name with such honor and reverence. It stands for all that God is. To speak God's name disrespectfully is to show disrespect to God himself. You know, all think about this. All that God does brings praise and honor to his name. Psalm 8.1, we know this one. Yahweh our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout all the earth. The psalm tells of the wonder of God's work in creation. And throughout the whole universe, we see something of the majesty of God's name. Because we see how wonderful are the things that he's made. And the most wonderful thing, we think of all the things that he did for the people in the Old Testament, of revealing himself. And yet, the most wonderful thing that he's done, of course, is providing salvation for his people through Jesus' son. Now, often people think of the main reason that God does the things that he does is for our own benefit. You know, God does love his people and he does things for them because of his great love. But God's first reason for doing all that he does is to bring honor and glory to him, to his name. Think about this. God often told the Israelites that he did what he did for them, not because they were better than anyone else, but for the sake of his great name. And they understood that. They grasped that. The, 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 the people in the Old Testament, they would ask him, often ask him, for forgiveness, for protection. And they understood it's not because they deserved it, but it was for his name's sake. Psalm 115, verse 1 says, Not for us, Yahweh. Not for us, but to your name give glory because of your faithful love, because of your truth. So God's name is greater than any other name. God's name stands for all that he is. And he requires us to honor it and treat it with respect. And those of us who love the Lord should do so. Psalm, I'm pulling a whole lot from the psalm. This is Psalm 113. Hallelujah. Give praise, servants of Yahweh. Praise the name of Yahweh. Let the name of Yahweh be praised both now and forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, let the name of Yahweh be praised. 
Yahweh is exalted above all the nations. His glory above the heavens. Praise the name of the Lord. But how many of us might sometimes use that expression, well, praise the Lord. And it's not quite honoring of the Lord as it should be. Think about that one. Here's another thing to think about. You know, Jesus was praying one day. And after he finished praying, his disciples asked him to teach them to pray. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said this, whenever you pray, say this, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is in debt to us. Do not bring us into temptation. But what's the very first thing? Do you notice the very first thing that he says in this example prayer? When the disciples ask. The very first thing that we should pray is that God's name be honored as holy. I'll confess that I very rarely start off my prayers like that. Most of the time my prayers are focused on me. What God can help me do. It's you know, what we think of it that, our, that is our greatest need at the moment. And yet Jesus taught us that the very first thing that we should pray for would be that God's name be honored as it deserves. You know, all the things that God says about his own name he says about the name of Jesus Christ as well. He wants Jesus and Jesus' name to have honor. Philippians says this, He humbled himself by becoming obedient, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. And for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every other name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. You see, so the name of Jesus is included in this commandment not to misuse God's name as well. All the reverence, all the honor and respect that we show God must be shown to the name of Jesus as well. Now, you know, as I said, the first, the first of the Ten Commandments tells us what to worship, God and God alone. And the second tells us what to do when we worship. And the third focuses our heart's attitude when we worship. You know, the commandment tells us what attitude to have, especially in our worship. But any time that we use the name of God, we should have a certain attitude with our hearts. You know, the respect that we are to have for God is so great that there's a special word that we have for it. Reverence. 
we're to be reverent when we speak about God. Psalm 99 says this, The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth quake. Yahweh is great in Zion. He is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awe-inspiring name. He is holy. The mighty king loves justice. You have established fairness. You have administered justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow in worship at his footstool. He is holy. You see that? This is, he is so much greater and higher than we are. And it, just, it doesn't encompass just his name. But it encompasses us to treat reverently the titles, the qualities, the regulations, his word, his works. These are all things that God uses to reveal himself to us. You know, God has many names. He has many titles in scripture. And these help us to see who he is. They, they, they're a way for him to reveal who he is to us. And he's told us these certain qualities. Goodness, holiness, justice, and power. And we see what God is like even when we look at creation. You know, his everyday care for us, his creatures. And the salvation that he's accomplished for us. Psalm 138, verses 1 and 2. I will give thanks with all of my heart. I will sing your praise before the heavenly beings. I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name. For your constant love and truth. You have exalted your name and your promise above everything else. Think of this, but because no one word can cover all that God is to his people, there are many different names for him. Then this is a question. Can you think of some of the names of God in the Bible? Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Elohim. Yes. Jehovah Nisi. El Shaddai. Yes. Uh, the Ancient of Days. Adonai. Uh, Yahweh uh, Mekadesh. Do you know that one? Yahweh Mekadesh. The Lord who makes holy. Uh, Yahweh Sabbath. The Lord of hosts. The Lord of the Sabbath. So in addition to these names, he also has titles. Creator, preserver of men, king of kings and lord of lords. And so whenever we speak of or to God, we should be careful about our use, not just of the names, but of the titles as well. I was thinking about, as I was going through this, growing up, I grew up listening to country music. And we would watch the Country Music Awards every year. And, and a whole lot of times, you know, Christianity still carried a, an influence on country music. And they would get up and they would accept their award. And they would do something like, I just want to give thanks to the man upstairs. Uh, 
or someone up there likes me. And I got to realize and thinking back on that, that does not show honor or respect to God. You know, a t-shirt that says, Jesus is my homeboy. Uh Uh-uh. You know, or, or why should a believer ever refer to Jesus as JC? You know, using Christianese buzzwords or lingo is not being bold for the Lord. I would argue that we can't afford a casual attitude toward the living God. Psalm 145, 1 through 5 says, I exalt you, my God, the King. And praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. I will honor your name forever and ever. Yahweh is great and highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will declare your works to the next. And will proclaim your mighty acts. I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and wonderful works. And using Christianese buzzwords is not a way of doing that. You know, God has provided us with things, tools that will cause us to grow to know him better and to live as he wants us to, to live and, and, and understand how to treat him with reverence. You know, God's given us prayer as a way to help us grow in Christ. He's provided us with a church body to meet with and hear God's word preached and taught and to worship together. He's provided us with the Lord's Supper and baptism. And God requires us to to use these things to, to grow in the knowledge of Him and to grow faithfully and reverently. You know, as I think about how we even do church. Listen, listen, I'm going to read. This is out of Acts of how the uh, early Christians faithfully and reverently gathered and worshipped. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they were devoting themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. So if we want to honor God's name, we will honor it as we gather in church. We will honor it as we hear the word and as we read the word. You know, I think as we gather in church and, and, and worship, our attitude in worship honors God when we use his word and use it reverently. You know, I was thinking about this, that that, uh, so many Christians have uh, a dusty Bible. So many families do. 
And yet, it, you know what that reminded me of? It's a story of uh, King Josiah. You know, it's an example of someone uh, who discovered God's Word and then had a reverence for it. Long before he became king, the Israelites, they had begun to worship idols. They had used the temple of God less and less. And it had become dirty and run down. And when King Josiah, when he became king, he had the workmen start cleaning it and start repairing it. And as they worked, they came upon a scroll. And this scroll contained the law of God. Do you know the Israelites had ignored God for so long that there was only one copy of the scroll around. And it had been lost for years. And so King Josiah had someone read God's word to him. And as he listened, he realized how disobedient the people had been all this time. He recognized the law for what it was. The word of God to be obeyed. And here's what he said. And you talk about pronouncing names. Uh, when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. Then he commanded Hilkiah, Ahakim, the son of uh, Satham, Abdon, son of Micah, Satham, the court secretary, and the king's servant, Asiah, go ask Yahweh for me and for those remaining in Israel and Judah concerning the works of the book that was found. For great is the Lord's wrath that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord in order to do everything written in this book. A little bit farther on. Then the king stood at his post and made a covenant in the Lord's presence to follow the Lord and keep his commands, his decrees, and his statutes with all of his heart and with all of his soul in order to carry out the words of the covenant written in the book. This is the way to revere God's word with all of our heart and all of our soul. And this is, a, I think, a, a great example of, uh, of how we should pursue the Lord and pursue his word. Now, what, would, what, what does it look like to violate the third commandment? You know, I talked at the very beginning that my understanding early on was there's a certain list of words that you don't say. And when you say those words, you're violating the third commandment. But we violate the third commandment when we take up the name of God, his titles, or any of his names in scripture, and we use them in a false, frivolous, or phony manner. If we use the name of God to ascribe a false sense of authority to our own ideas or our plans or our opinions, we're violating the third commandment. You know, we run the risk of violating the third commandment when we use God's name to give a sense of authority where it may not belong. You know, by putting God's name or God's stamp of approval on our thoughts as if they were his revealed will. It's a very dangerous line. Uh, Philip Ryken uh, has this to say in his commentary on, on Exodus. A more serious way to break the third commandment is by using God's name to advance our own agenda. 
Some Christians say, the Lord told me to do this. Or worse, they say, the Lord told me to tell you to do this. This is false prophecy. God has already said what he needs to say in his word. Now, of course, there is an inward leading by the Holy Spirit. But this should not be misrepresented misrepresented as an authoritative word from God. You know, sometimes we see people use God's use God to endorse political views. God is the God of this political party or this political party. He becomes sort of a party mascot. Uh, sometimes, well, we see him used to prop up the position of people uh, so that they'll force others to do what they say. Whenever we confuse what we want with what God wants, we are taking his name in vain. Here's another one that, that might be stepping on some toes. If, if we murmur against his providences as if he has dealt harshly with us, if then we are violating the third commandment. In other words, if we, in a sense, shake our fist at God and say, why did you let this happen to me? Or simply, why did this happen? In an angry or aggressive tone. You know, it, it, again, it's the attitude that matters. That is a form of speaking evil of God. You're judging God's providential decisions is what you're doing. And this is a violation of the third commandment. And these are all serious violations. But maybe, maybe the subtlest and the most common is being careless in our worship. David Wells uh, has an argument that says we take God too lightly. The weightlessness of God. Others have described it as the trivialization of God. Having a trivial view. You know, we do not recognize God's true glory when we come into his presence for worship. Maybe our thoughts wander when we pray. Uh, our eyes kind of pass over a passage of scripture, but we're not taking it in. Uh, and when we sing, our hearts are not in tune with the words coming out of our mouths. We could be like Shakespeare's Hamlet, to probably quote something that we might know, but Maybe most of the generation today doesn't. My words fly up, but my thoughts remain below. Words without thoughts never to heaven go. When our worship is casual, careless, and insincere. And again, I'm talking attitude here. We dishonor God's name. Think about this. Think about how good God has been to us. You know, here's something I haven't mentioned yet about his name. He has given his name to us as the name we can call on to be saved. Why would you ever want to disrespect or dishonor that? He tells us that 
He punishes sin severely. But then he tells us that he himself will save us from that punishment if we call on his name. Romans 10. Now the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, since the same Lord of all is rich to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, God not only tells us what his name is, he tells us his name so we can call on it for the salvation that we need. You know, I think that it seems many people misuse God's name and few people mind that his name gets misused. But as we read through scripture, this is how good God is. God sends troubles to get the attention of those who misuse his name. He sends these things to cause the people to repent and honor him. The trouble is, these people often refuse to repent and they dishonor God's name even more. When you go through the book of Revelation and it talks about uh, God pouring out his judgment uh, on the earth, the seven bowls. And what happens as you read through it? Do these people repent after each judgment comes? No. What you see is the crass rebellion of the human heart. And the men do not repent. It says that they blasphemed the name of God. They did not, they did not repent. They did not give him glory. And the longer that these people refuse to repent, the more God stores up judgment for them. But again, God has told us his name so we can call on it to be saved. What else has he done? He's not only given us his name so that we can call on it. He has given us his name so that we can wear it. All whom he saves, he allows to be called by his name. Names such as the people of God, the children of God. Christians. He allows us to wear that name. He allows us to be called that. What a tremendous privilege that is. The Lord, this is out of Deuteronomy, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore to you if you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth will see you are called by Yahweh's name. And they will stand in awe of you. As we wear the name of Christian. Do we bring honor to his name? It's such a privilege. And yet it's such a great responsibility. I've always been afraid to. Put one of those bumper stickers on my car. The sign of the fish or something that says I'm a Christian. Because I'm afraid that my driving would not always represent uh, uh, Christ. 
even now. But you know, when we say that we are the children of God, when we say that God has made us his children, we should live in such a way that God's name receives glory from our lives and from our attitudes. You know, it says that uh, anyone who claims to be one of God's people and yet it ignores what God says in his word, then it brings into question if that person really is one of God's people. No matter how much someone claims to love God, disobedience to God's commands, that shows that that person really does not love God, but hates them. And God will judge a person for dishonoring his name. It's a very scary thing. Second Timothy says this, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, having this inscription, The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who names the name of the Lord must turn away from unrighteousness. So we should honor God's name out of gratitude that he has told it to us. We should honor his name because he's made it known to us so that we can be saved. We should honor his name because he's given it to us to be called Christians. One last thing to think about is that really when we show respect, when we show reverence for God's name, God doesn't owe us anything for doing that. Yet, God is so good that he has promised to reward us for doing what we simply ought to be doing in the first place. He promises to count us among those who love him when we honor his name. He promises to bless us and bless our children and grandchildren to a thousand generations when we honor his name. You know, think about this. Although he waits patiently for people to repent, there will come a day when he will punish those who disrespect his name. This is out of Revelation. It says the 24 elders who were seated before God on their thrones, they fell face down and worshiped God, saying, We thank you, Lord God Almighty, who was and is, who, who is and was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry, but your wrath has come. The time has come for the dead to be judged and to give the reward to your servants the prophets, to the saints, and to those who fear your name. And the time has come to destroy those who dishonor your name, those who destroy the earth. So the call is for us to reverence his name, to reverence everything about him, to revere him, really in everything that we do and to never take his name to never take his name 
lightly or foolishly or in a careless manner. Let's let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, may Your name be honored and revered not just here in this church, but in all the earth. May we revere Your name with our hearts and with our lives, with our words, with our attitudes. Father, we pray that being called as Christians that we would not misuse your name. Guard our lips. Help us not to be careless with your name. Help us not to treat it lightly or trivial. Father, open our eyes to see where we may have violated this commandment. And we ask to be forgiven. Give us the strength to live lives that will bring honor and glory to your name in whatever we say or do. We give you thanks now, Father, in your holy name. Amen.